Hey, this is Nick DiMatteo from Music Is Not A Genre. I just wanted to take a minute to talk to you about the service I use to record and distribute my podcasts. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you from experience, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Here's why. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So please take a moment out. If you are planning to create, record, and distribute podcasts, take a look at Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to week 211 and video episode number 37 of Music Is Not A Genre. Every week I take a release or two from my collection. I discuss them, I give you my take on them, I throw in some other interesting information and things that connect it to other things in life and to my own music. If you like this podcast or my other podcast or the live shows or recorded music or anything on this YouTube page, please take a moment to subscribe. It would mean a lot to me and really help out. More so, if you watch some Something that you think someone else would like, it would be really awesome if you copy the link and shared it with that person and kind of let them know that I exist and what I'm doing and the whole idea of music is not a genre, it's everything and what the world of that means and uh, that there is something on this page, on this YouTube page that they will be interested in, they will find and hopefully that you or they will want to comment on and, and discuss and uh, create a conversation here. So quick housekeeping note, uh, my monitor is unavailable this week because we are kind of removing into our current place and uh, I don't have it in front of me so I'm going to go old fashioned and use the printed word screenshot or you can just read below because all this text is below. So this week there are two albums that I'm discussing, um, 1982's The Hit List and 1983's Hot Tracks, both released by the Titan KTEL Records. This is actually the fourth uh, week out of the 211 that I have discussed KTEL Records specifically, and it's the second video that I have done. Uh, I have a bunch of different KTEL collections, so as, as you know, I'm using, you know, each one of them, in this case, two of them as, you know, jumping off points to discuss that. Um, and, you know, each time I do, I kind of come across some different points that I think are kind of relevant, not just for what you see here, but to today. And um, this one, I think, is particularly hitting home in so many ways uh, right now. If you don't know KTEL, then please go look them up because you're missing out on a wonderful world. Um, they aren't the first company to have ever created these kinds of compilations and greatest hits and stuff like that, but I think that in many ways they're still the most famous. Um, and uh, they they definitely became the most famous, uh, you know, of their of their time. Uh, I, I'm not sure if KTEL still exists. I think it does in some form, but certainly not like this. Uh, and I've always been into compilations. I said that in a previous podcast, uh, whether it's greatest hits of a single artist or a type of type of music or uh, of a certain year or era, 
uh, been into. It's a great way to kind of encapsulate the, the, that thing that was or is happening and, and um, kind of give you a, a, you know, a straight shot of it and or introduce you to, you know, to it if you haven't heard it before. And in the case of, of these, I think they're kind of extra special. And it's because of five words I'm going to say to you. Rock, pop, funk, soul, electronic. Why does that matter? Why do those words matter? Well, first of all, they were used by these two albums in particular to describe the music on those albums. They are so-called genres. They're types of music, a way to classify music so that it's a shorthand. You kind of get an idea of what you're in for uh, in a certain way. And also uh, kind of inherent in that definition is how limiting genres are, which I continuously discuss. But the second, the second thing is, is, uh, that actually that was, that was the thing. So why does that matter? Well, I think it matters more than ever right now because I can't remember a time in, in my lifetime. And even looking back in history, we, when we have been as, as, as factionalized as we are, as we are now, um, the music industry is a business, uh, different in some ways from other businesses, but, but alike in one major way. And that is that it, it learns as it grows. And what is it learning? It's learning how to be a more successful business. It's learning how to do better at what it does so that it can become more popular, make more money. That's the you know bottom line for really almost any business. Uh, so it will try things and some of those things don't work, but the things that do work, they double down on. And if that doubling down works, they quadruple down on them until they pretty much run it into the ground. And if that quadrupling down, uh, there's a shift in the culture or something and that fails, they either modify it or they abandon it and they try something else. And, they, and the process just continues. It's a, it's a cycle, right? So one of the things that the music industry tried fairly early on was the idea of creating genres of popular music. Believe it or not, there was a time when distinctions uh, between types of non-classical music didn't exist. It was considered folk music or popular music or, or uh, you know, eventually they, it would create, you know, it would be given names like Tin Pan Alley and, and things like that. And then country music or blues or, you know, uh, a lot later down the line, rock and roll and jazz and, and then funk and soul and, you know, R&B and all the way up to, you know, hip hop and, and punk and goth and, you know, you, you name it and, and house things. I've all of the things I've discussed. And um, that was the process that was happening because because what they found, what the music industry found was that if they could drill home the idea of a certain type of music to a certain type of people. And yes, if that sounds insulting, it's because it is. And shame on the entire world for that, and especially in the music industry in this case, um, when they found that, they just kept building on that and building on that. And then they realized, oh, well, if we can then divide, let's say, you know, rock into classic rock and punk rock and heavy metal and, and, you know, all the different various kinds of music that's rooted in rock, uh, you know, power pop, pop rock, um, then we can target even further. And, and what's happened over the decades is that these the target demographics have gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. There was a point at which, you know, 
um, all men will like this kind of music. All women will like this kind of music. And then they divided it uh, very early on, honestly, uh, between races, you know, again, sadly. And then they, you know, divided it between age groups and they divided it even, even between, you know, smaller and smaller age groups and, uh, you know, regional and all of that stuff. And while there is a degree of truth to any of that because individuals have their own tastes, there's no one who can say an entire group has a taste, right? So um, it's, it's sad but true that this has become, you know, and was, uh, you know, and in some ways still is wildly successful uh, method of putting music out there, right? And so I'm looking at my notes now. And, uh, you know, the success is hard to dispute. The, there's... Um, ton of money that's been made from it. Uh, but the thing that happens, which is the thing that happens in a lot of business, especially when it is unregulated, is that the things that make more money, the things that the things and groups and people that have, that have more power, that make more money, that, that get more say, that have a louder voice or whose voice is allowed to be heard more, get more and more of that to the exclusion of the, the people and things and, and ideas that don't which are shoved aside, neglected, they, they get, you know, they kind of get smaller and smaller and smaller. And, you know, my argument is that, sure, it was successful, and in some cases wildly successful, but even during the height of the success of factionalizing people, you know, and music into groups and genres, uh, the music industry was missing the boat uh, because, and, and it's not just because of the kind of the frou-frou, you know, we're, we're missing out on the kind of communal experience of all listening to the same music together. And by same, I don't mean one kind of music, but all kinds of music, but music that we are sharing and whatever that may be. Um, and that it further kind of reinforces the idea that people don't have more in common than not. So this, this idea, well, you're from this group, you're from that group, whether it's based on age or race or, you know, any, or any number of other things. Uh, so, you know, but why would businesses care about that if they're making money, right? So, you know, my argument is they should care. And they should care because, so let's say you have uh, blues music. And we're very early on the... Um, contention by the industry was, well, this should be marketed to black people. So let's just do that. Right. And you say to yourself, oh, very early on, you know, that's still happening today with so, so many kinds of music and so many, you know, and so many different ethnic groups and, and, and age groups and things like that. Yeah, it is. That's the whole, that's the whole point. It started there and it just got bigger and bigger and, and, and uh, more, you know, uh, targeted, you know, the, each group got smaller and, it is ballooned until it's really out of control. Uh, and what I'm saying is when you target a type of music to a group of people to the exclusion of other people and other types of music, you're missing out businesses on way more income. So if you don't care about the you know, artistic or communal or social or any of that stuff, you know, maybe the, uh, you know, impetus to want to make more money will drive you to 
stop marginalizing types of music by, you know, locking them into certain genres and then only marketing that to certain types of people or certain groups. Um, and that's, that's a mini version of my rant. I don't know how many it is, honestly. And it's similar to what I have on here, although slightly different, right? Um, but, so why did I go into that rant? Why related to these albums? Well, because of the first five words that I said at the beginning, rock, pop, funk, soul, electronic. All of those types of music are included on these albums and probably more. And not to mention each one of those types of music has within it other types of music that kind of negate the idea of genres on the whole. And sure, why did KTEL do this? Well, it figured that the most popular songs could make the most money for them. Why not put them all in one collection and you, you know, can sell that and make good money from it. But that second part that my hand was going towards is the thing that's not just brilliant, whether it was conscious or not, and I don't really care if it was from back then, uh, is that they also thought, well, you can grab as many people as possible to buy these albums because there might be somebody who likes maybe three of the songs on there and other someone else who likes the different three of the songs and, and all of that. And... Uh, and so what? Because they can still get more than one of their favorite songs on one collection. And while they're listening to that, they're listening to other songs that they may not have heard or listened to or at first liked as much. And some of those, I won't say all, but maybe all, but, but likely some, they will be like, oh, I like this too. And, and so they, this, this type of release kind of goes against the idea that everything needs to be, you know, genreized and factionalized. And it sounds it, like this seems trivial. It seems like it's a KTEL record. Okay, if you know anything about it, it's something that people would make fun of. It's kind of like, uh, you know, now that's what I call music or whatever, whatever it is. And then those kind of things where popular music's all lumped together. And yet, to me, in a, in a different way, it does the same thing, which is to say those kinds of releases know that the real person who isn't confined by a label or genre or a group likes way more than what, than what they're given credit for. Um, and again, I don't know if that, you know, I think in some ways it was conscious, in many ways it was a business decision, but beyond all of that, it's something that we need to uh, build on. We need to take that idea forward. And, and we are, you know, maybe not all businesses are, maybe not all websites are, certainly not all algorithms are. Algorithms are kind of the worst offenders there uh, who choose music based on what you like. Uh, very limiting. Uh, some are getting a little better, but honestly, not by much. And that's not technology's fault. It's the humans who program the technology. Okay. But uh, all that being said, the humans, we are out there, we're hungering for more diversity like this, not just in music, but since this is particularly about music, we're hungering to be able to, uh, to be quote unquote allowed to listen to more than what we're supposed to listen to. And that's people of all types and of all ages doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. So I, you know, that's why I thought it was kind of really important to, uh, to bring this up. And I'm actually going to discuss 
a different um, facet of it even further on my Saturday podcast. And if you subscribe, you will be alerted to when it appears on this site, uh, which is actually earlier than Saturday. So, you know, please click the button and subscribe. As far as how this connects to my music, four years ago I started a project called Music Is Not A Genre, which has evolved into a couple things. One is this YouTube page and these podcasts. And two is the five releases that I am putting out under my band name Rec this year, which I've done three already. Uh, There will be four EPs and one full-length album. Uh, The whole point of them is to show that one person can like and or create many, many different kinds of music and, you know, with passion, enjoy it with passion, create it with passion and share it with passion. So below is a link to, well, this, not this page, but my band Rex YouTube page, which is an affiliated page to this page. If you've looked through, you will have seen it. Please go and subscribe to that too. Please go and take a look at all of the releases that Reckon, you know, and on, on me under the name Reckon, under my own name, have done over the years, and you'll see the, the genre diversity. Ugh, that word. But you understand what I'm saying. So, uh, as far as you're concerned, what types of music do you like that you're not supposed to like? Um, do you seek out music that goes beyond what the algorithms tell you you're supposed to listen to? You know, that, that are like what you like, you know. Uh, do you remember KTEL records? Do you have these particular ones? Do you have other KTEL records? Do you have any favorites from these two collections? I put the links down there, so look them up. It has the track listings for all of them. I guarantee you there are at least a couple of songs that you like in there. Uh, and, uh, and that's it. Those are my questions for you. I'd love to hear your answers. I'd love to keep this conversation going because as always with my podcast and with everything I do, uh, it's about the music and it's about conversation and connection. Thank you very much. And I will see you next week. It's NFL draft season. And that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.